I am Alon Ben-Mir, and welcome to On the Issues. My guest today is Hillel Shankar, co-editor of the Palestine-Israel Journal, a Jerusalem-based independent English language quarterly. You can find his full bio on the page for this episode. Anyway, so I thought this is not a question and answer. This yeah, is a conversation. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk, I think, about uh, Hamas. What do you think? We can talk about Hamas and about what is happening right now in Gaza. I think we, we cannot yeah, yeah. avoid yeah, talking it's about, about this. about exactly yeah. what's happening yeah. in Gaza, you know. Yeah. And I wrote a piece, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, uh, about this situation. Yeah, I saw it. You, yeah. This is the latest piece. The latest piece, yeah, I sent that yeah. piece, yeah. Well, you know more or less my position on it. So, so you know, you read my take on it, and my take is, is basically, I always call it facing the inevitable, or mm -hmm. facing reality, that you can change sort of catastrophic events. A Gaza is Gaza, is by and large pretty independent. It's, it's own territory, it's basically its own governing authority, notwithstanding the effort to unite with the PA, all of these efforts failed miserably in the past. The question that, in a, in a, so my focus was, is Israel versus Hamas, and here the situation in Gaza, what to do about it, given the reality on the ground. Yeah. And so all of the disturbances and the demonstration near the plains and the border, uh, it's not a surprise to anyone, given the miserable horrifying condition that exists in Gaza. Now, where do we go from here? You know, this is really what, what boggles the mind from my perspective is that, be that Netanyahu or anyone, mm -hmm. and Ismail Haniya and Sinwar himself, if they sit down for a moment and begin to think in terms of, okay, where do you go from here? Where do you go from here? First of all, what we do see is a terrible humanitarian crisis. Right, there are almost, almost two million people in abject poverty with uh, sometimes barely four hours of electricity a day and water which is polluted. There was just, just today, I was reading that there was a delegation from the Israeli Physicians for Human Rights in Gaza, which now it was composed entirely of Palestinian Israeli citizens, because yes. they wouldn't let uh, Jewish Israelis go in. Mm -hmm. And they are saying that the medical facilities, the, it is just catastrophic. Yes. They, they, they are living, and so therefore, it is not surprising that there's this tremendous frustration and that there is this uh, readiness to respond to some type of protest action, you know, which is what we are seeing now. Now, Hamas bears a large part of the responsibility, obviously, because they are the government. Absolutely. But they are not the only ones. Yeah. You know, they, they on, on the one hand, they are, you know, they want... The last Palestinian elections back in what it was, 2006, 2006 yeah. primarily because Fatah was perceived as being corrupt, and yeah. they were presumably uh, 
clean and uh, honest, etc., they are as corrupt as Fatah. Uh, they make money out of the tunnels. They make money out of everything. They don't do what is necessary for the people of Gaza. So we know today, for example, that um, in the latest public opinion polls, you know, Professor Khalil Shikaki at the Palestinian Center uh, for uh, Policy Research yeah. in Ramallah, yeah. who yeah. is the most admired mm -hmm. uh, yes. and respected independent researcher, says that both the Hamas and the Fatah leadership have lost the confidence of the people. Absolutely. In I Gaza agree. and in and the I West agree. Bank. Yeah. Now, but going back to uh, Gaza, it's not only Israel left, but still has a siege. It still controls the borders, land, sea. But so does Egypt bears responsibility as well, because Egypt has also created a uh, blockade on its side of the border because they are afraid of um, extremists Exactly, Islamists exactly, going into northern Sinai yeah, and yeah. meeting up with the ISIS people. Yeah. You see, this is this is the reality. You articulated as as, as 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 best as anyone can be. The question is, notwithstanding all of this, what do we do? This this is it. This is going to explode. Yeah. This time it's explode in the form of demonstrations, and it's going to continue probably. Uh, I think this is the last Friday. It's right? going, no, no, it's going to continue going until to May 14th. May, uh, that's right. It's going May, to be six that, weeks of right. demonstrations yeah. with the peak being every Friday May, because that's, May 15th, the, that's, right. that's the Muslim yeah. holy yeah. day. And so therefore that's when there's the yeah. particular motivation. And, and May 14th is the, in the uh, general calendar, that's the day of the Israeli independence is really seven yeah. years and ago. For but for them, it's the Nakba, it's, it's the disaster. Nakba. So that yeah. will be the yeah. peak. Yeah. yeah, that will be the peak. Uh, my thinking, you know, had the Israelis and the Palestinians smart enough, maybe to use the occasion and say, wait a minute, let's look back for a moment and see where we were, where we are, and where would you go from here. Just give it some thought. Again, given what you can change or what you cannot change. First of all, I want to make a comment about the nature of the protest. They call the protest the March of Return, yeah. which I think is a mistake. Terrible mistake. You know, the Terrible Palestinians mistake. claim this is to remind uh, everybody uh, uh, that uh, there is a refugee uh, problem, but it does two things which are totally counterproductive. One is it creates an illusion among the Gazans, the, the poor suffering two million yeah, Gazan yeah, people, yeah, yeah. that maybe the answer is to return to their former villages in Israel. That is totally delusional. It is not possible. And so using that title actually creates a false illusion on their part, as Absolutely. if this is an answer. Absolutely. Now, also with the Israeli public, Oh, yeah. If they had called this the protest for freedom, the protest for independence from the, the, the current tragic situation, it might have a possibility of resonating with the Israeli people. Yeah, and, you but know, March of Return is very problematic. It was the worst thing they could have done. And, and I know if you read the article, I said exactly that point, you know, 
what writer for them? I mean, there's a question of technicalities. Or well, the second mistake also they made. You, how, do you, how could you demand the lifting of the blockade and at the same time call for Israel's destruction? Yeah. What government in Israel, even the extreme left, Maris or even even left of Maris. No, nobody accepts that. No one but is going to accept the fact that that you are, you lift the blockade and hope for the best. No, but we should still also give them some credit, even though they haven't really uh, done very good public relations for it. When Sinwar became the leader, instead of uh, Khania, uh what happened is that. He, I think, does understand that you have to come to terms with reality. And that was the reason for, they tried to change the charter. They tried to signal the idea that uh, they would accept a Palestinian state uh, yeah, no, within is, the 67 I'm sure you read the new charter. And the new charter still called for Israel destruction. I mean, they start to sort of its colors slightly, but it's still there. What I'm saying to them when I have this opportunity to talk to yeah. any of them, I'm saying, look, can you conceive, can you imagine possibly destroying Israel in any shape or form, in any time in the future? That's going to happen. Of course not. I tell the Israelis, And they understand and that. They, that no, I they said no. Yeah. And I said to the Israelis, do you think you're going to wipe out Hamas? You're going to wipe out the Palestinians? No. That's not going to happen either. So when I speak about reality, this is what I'm talking about. I said, then you have to begin by changing the public narrative. At yeah. least, yeah. that is exactly all right. When they come up with the march of return, well, what return? Yeah. Yeah. And there's another technical point that I try to, to point out to them. I asked them the following, Hillary. Do you consider Gaza to be part of Palestine? They said, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Do you consider the West Bank to be part of Palestine? They said, absolutely. Okay. Then the Palestinians who you call refugees in Gaza or in the West Bank, are they refugees or are internally displaced? Who can call them a refugee when they are still in their home country, right? So you are internally displaced. You are not a refugee. Now you are talking about two and a half million so-called refugees who actually live, as a matter of fact, two-thirds of the Palestinians in Gaza consider themselves refugees. Yeah. A million and a half, and nearly a million and a half in, in West, West Bank as well. They consider themselves refugees when in fact they are internally displaced. I said, if you begin to make this kind of distinction, what's going to happen? I am like many like myself. When we uh, go to Europe and they ask me, what do we do? I said, well, why don't you begin to think in terms of establishing fund for resettlement and, and or compensation of yeah. Palestinian refugees? And make it clear, make it clear to the Palestinians. Here we have $5 billion or $10 billion waiting to be used if you begin to start to think in terms of realistic terms. Yeah of resettlement and or compensation. Because, and then accept the reality that you are already in your home country, your, you know, uh, homeland. You are not outside your homeland. That's one point. And the second point I'm, I said, if you really want a significant change, and I think Israel, even Lieberman said, please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, Lieberman said, if you, um, 
he, he wants surrendering the arms. Well, that's not going to happen. Surrendering the arms, I mean, giving up the arms, for them is a surrender. It's almost unconditional surrender. They're not going to go for it. Call for renouncing of violence. Yeah. That's it. Don't okay. ask for recognition of Israel now. Don't ask for anything. Just renounce violence and show us that you are renouncing violence by stopping building tunnels and procuring and or manufacturing yeah. weapons. So that's what I've been trying to explain to them. This is so, what, 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 what needs to be done. Let me, let me tell you, I just came from three days at the J Street Conference. Yeah. And two observations from different sessions that took place there. One was there was a session about the future Palestinian leadership run by young Palestinians who were out there. And, you know, none of them agreed with Hamas's ideology, but they all say Hamas is a part of what can we do? They are half of the people. Uh, a future Palestinian state has to include Gaza, the West Bank, and East Jerusalem. But there are certain conditions that have to be met. The fact is they are not members of the PLO. And they want to become part of the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization. And what these Palestinians were saying, if they want to become part of the PLO, then they have to accept the basic resolutions that the PLO came to, which include, number one, recognition of the existence of the State of Israel, number two, the decision to support only nonviolent uh, resistance, resistance yeah. and not violent resistance, yeah. if you want to become a part of the PLO, which they want to do. So they are saying, this is what we are demanding of them. Now, the second very interesting uh, comments were in Bernie Sanders' presentation. Bernie Sanders made a very powerful presentation, which I would recommend everyone look at. I'm sure it will be uh, uploaded onto uh, yeah, the internet, yeah. in which he criticized Hamas very strongly for exactly the things that you were saying. He also held Israel responsible for maintaining siege and not helping to rebuild Gaza. We all believe that there should be something like a Marshall Plan, which is what helped to build, rebuild Europe after World yeah, War II. But he, then he yes. made a particular point of the responsibility of the wealthy Arab states, of the Gulf states. And he was pointing out the fact that uh, MBS, the Crown Prince, Mohammed bin Salah, just bought... He, he contributed $50 million to the reconstruction of Gaza, but he spent $500 million on a new yacht. And the comment was, all of the region has to participate, has to help take responsibility for rebuilding Gaza. And the Hamas people, they have a responsibility to declare what you are saying. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is exactly the point, you know, that is, uh, if, if we were to unite to sit down and fashion a solution, what are we going to do? We're going to look at the reality and say, okay, resettlement compensation require money. Where is this money going to come from? Certainly the Gulf states, the EU, the United States, yep. uh, even China will contribute. I mean, you know, it's a little stretch, but they, 
many, many countries will contribute. I mean, together, to put together 10, 15 billion dollars, it's not much if it's coming from all over, all over these countries and so on. So you have that. I think what we need to do here, at least what I think, it's four different things, and please correct me. And, and I wanted to, 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 number one is, <clears throat> we need to put some kind of influence on Hamas. Change your narrative. Change your, don't keep calling for Israel destruction. Don't have to do anything. Just don't use, keep using them. Don't keep but calling. In order to do that, we have to offer them something okay. too. Okay, exactly. I'm yeah. coming to that. You do that, and Israel is going to come and say, okay, we're going to make this concession and this concession and this concession. We will allow so much more goods to go, so much more cement and steel will go there. They mean make an easing of the blockade. Again, so what are we talking about? Incremental easing of the blockade and link it to the behavior of Hamas. Hamas will understand. If I'm renowned, if I'm not going to use corporate destruction, I'm going to get something. I'm going to renounce violence, I'm going to get something. It has got to be quid pro quo. If you have that quid pro quo, you're going to create an atmosphere where the cooperation, the cooperation is going to create a new atmosphere that it is conducive to further progress. Yeah. And that's what you want to do. You have to create an atmosphere conducive to further progress. And it won't take much sacrifice from either side. And the average Israeli, and even the right-wing government, if there is quiet and construction in Gaza, uh, the average Israeli will be very happy yes. to know that there is no more friction, no more possibility of uh, rockets against the southern towns of Sterot and other towns. And the right-wing government, which may not want to accept Hamas, would then be, would have to. Yeah. There's no question about it. Exactly. Yeah. And here, the next point, I think I'd like you to comment on it, please. Uh, you know, there's, uh, Netanyahu and his Arab government always took the position well, if Hamas joined with Fatah, we will not negotiate with Fatah because we are not, we will never negotiate with, 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 with the, Which is a mistake. Which is a terrible It's a mistake okay. because uh, the, the whole basis of the Oslo Accords yeah. was mutual recognition. Exactly. And if Hamas joins this mutual recognition, then they are also legitimate partners for negotiations. But then you ask yourself the question, why is Netanyahu doing this? He's doing this, in my view, and I'm convinced of it, precisely because he wants to maintain the disunity between the two yes, sides. Yes, yes. The, the disunity truth is, between the two sides. He, now I want to take it a step further and say yeah. to him, listen the following. Gaza is there like where we started, Helene, and the Hamas is there. Wouldn't it be to your benefit? They're not connected, neither territorially nor ideologically. The two sides. They're not connected. Wouldn't it be better for you to start working with Gaza as if it were a separate entity? Think on those terms. As if it were a separate entity. What, the, what advantage that would give Israel? But the thing is that the Palestinians, and I think rightfully so, say we want you to look at the totality of the Palestinian people, which includes the West Bank this and is, Gaza. This and is true, but I'm talking yeah. about the treating Gaza as if it were separate. Well, it, in it, a sense that it is a separate problem, 
but it is part of a larger entity. Yes, but this is how the point is. You can, if you can't solve the big problem together, yeah. you, you break it down. That's where I come to. So no, but let us go back to let us go back to Netanyahu. Yeah. The problem with Netanyahu is that he gives lip service to the idea of the two-state solution. But yeah. is not ready to do anything Absolutely to advance not. it. Yep, that's uh, exactly what we're saying. That's why this is going to happen yeah. under Netanyahu. Yeah. This is this scenario can be affected only if there is a new leadership right. in Israel. This is yes. this is what we need. Hopefully, yeah. Netanyahu will fall due yeah. to these yeah. investigations. And something very interesting: the Palestine Israel Journal. I'm co-editor of the Palestine Israel Journal. We had a fascinating meeting with a veteran South African anti-apartheid activist who was very close to uh, Nelson Mandela. And, you know, we asked her what led to the downfall of apartheid. And she says, it wasn't first and foremost sanctions. It was two factors. One factor which we do not have in the Middle East, and that is that 10% of the Afrikaners could not continue. It was unsustainable to continue to control 90% of the population. But the second factor, she said, was corruption. The Afrikaner government was extremely corrupt, and even the businessmen, the English and the Afrikaner businessmen, said this cannot continue to work, and we have to have a different regime if we want to have a, an effective economy. Yeah. Now, this, this is, is what a, we have in Israel. Yeah, we have yeah, corruption. Yeah. Hopefully, that will bring Netanyahu down, and then we have a possible chance of an alternative center-left government. And yeah, we need yeah, that, yeah, and we also yeah. need new leadership on the yeah. Palestinian side. This is absolutely true. true. But I just want to go back for a moment to, to, to the situation in Gaza. All of the scenario we're talking about, nine mile view, it is only there has got to be a change of leadership in Israel. That's just has to be a given. So what I'm saying, if we were to treat Gaza as a separate entity, in a sense that separate entity, in a sense that here's the quid pro quo that I'm talking, I talk to you about. Sure. You do this, we do this, we do this, we do this. Now you're going to create a new atmosphere of collaborative effort made by both sides. If this is going to also give Israel leverage over the Palestinian Authority. If the, if the Palestinian Authority realize that Israel is making a progress with Hamas, the Palestinian Authority itself will become more amenable to listening more carefully to Israel. Because we're terrified of, you know what they're terrified of? That actually they can be separated. They yeah, don't want yeah. to be separated. What's called the three-state solution. That will yeah, be the yeah. three-state solution. Yeah, and they don't want that. They don't want that. And they yeah. don't want it. So what, what Israel could make it to double gains on two, on two fronts simultaneously by working with Hamas. If Hamas is smart enough to realize this is what they can do, and then Israel will have leverage on the PLO afterwards, but Hamas too, comes the election, will have greater advantage. But let us also add that it is quite clear again from public opinion polls that the overwhelming majority of the Palestinians do not want to live under a regime which is guided by Sharia law, religious no, law. No, true, they, true, and so true. they do not want the Hamas ideology 
to be the guiding factor in the future of the Palestinian people. And I agree with you, and I also suggest the following, that the Palestinian Gaza are not living under Sharia law, and you know that. Yeah. There is no such a thing. It's only, only in, the, in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Sharia law is in the air. It's not practice. It's not on the ground. That's number one. But Hamas uses religion just like ISIS did. Why is that? Because to use religion to that extent, in the extreme forms, you prevent questioning what you're doing. Because you're doing it in the name of God. Yeah. Who are you yeah. to question God? I am, yeah. not, I am only my servant. I am not doing anything. Unfortunately, we have echoes of that on the Israeli side. There's echo on that know, on the Israeli the, side as the, well. The extremist settlers who say God promised this to us and therefore right. there's no place for compromise. That's right. But if we go back to which the Which goes totally against the founding fathers of Zionism yeah. who rebelled against the religion and said, we take our fate into our own hands. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, what, what was, so when you say about... Uh, the Hamas being totally committed to Sharia law and all of that, it's honestly, it's not... It's not no, what I say is that uh, the Palestinian people do not want yeah. to live under Sharia law. They, they don't, yeah. and, and Hamas is not enforcing that yeah. in yeah. the least, yeah, they not that. even in Gaza, and that's the situation. Right. I, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking in those terms, and, and your, um, your take on this is very important. You know, the, I, when I look at, you know, I, I keep saying this time and again, when I see crisis, every crisis, I see also opportunities. To me, mm -hmm. there is a breakdown, there is a breakthrough. Yeah, yeah. So look for the breakthrough. There is a breakdown today between Israel and Hamas. We've got to look for a breakthrough. So the question here is, here we need third parties to enter in, to talk to Hamas yeah. and to talk to Israel to enable a possibility of a breakthrough because it's highly unlikely that the current Israeli government will be ready to speak directly to Hamas. Yeah. You know what I was, was a wish, you know, if we could, if we could arrange, if we could arrange something like this in Israel or Hamas or in a, in a neutral territory. In Cyprus, yeah, it's very easy, Cyprus, accessible. Brussels, um, Turkey, Brussels. there are all. Sorts I would of be more than happy to do something like yeah, this in yeah. Brussels, and I, I can tell you that the EU may very well. Uh, I did already actually with the EU last last uh, a mock negotiation between Palestinian uh, from the authority, five six members from the the top top rank of the PLO, and most from the Israeli. The, the PLO, but not Hamas. No, no, but not Hamas. Yeah, yeah. And then from the Israeli side, also members of the Knesset right. and all right. of that came to Brussels and I conducted a mock negotiation. So the question is, is it possible to do the same thing, track two, track one and a half, government, yeah. civil society, we however, can, we can do that. between Hamas yeah. and Israel, yeah. that would be yeah. very constructive yeah. to do. Now, I... I I just feel we cannot have this conversation about Gaza without also making at least a comment about what has happened since the March of Return began and the fact that that first Friday, the Friday of the Seder for us, the Jews, and for the Palestinians, it was a marking of land day. 
uh, back which began in 1976 in Sakhnin, uh, the fact is that 17 Palestinians were killed by Israeli sharpshooters that weekend. The following Friday, again, I don't remember exactly, it's altogether about 30, and there is no question that the Israeli government made a decision to use an exaggerated amount of force. There was no need no. to shoot. It's there not as no, if there, there was, no there was a no. serious danger to there the no. soldiers or yeah. a breakthrough of the yeah. border or anything exactly. like that. And, uh, and this has to be said because soft, what's called soft force, there are so many other means of crowd dispersal I that could not have been used. And, uh, that, that and one, this is really unfortunate. It's a tragic, yeah, for, yeah, tragic yeah. mistake on the part of Israel. There was no need to use this kind of excessive force. What's wrong with using rubber bullets all the time? Why you right. and, and smoke? Why and there's all sorts of water can. There are all sorts of means. Nothing. That, nothing yeah. should be. If it were the yeah. Haredim ultra orthodox yeah. blocking the roads in Jerusalem, which have you know, I I spend every week half a week in Tel Aviv and Jerusalem, and when they decide to protest because they don't want to serve in the army, they block all the roads and the police use crowd dispersion, but they will never fire at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, yeah, I agree with you. So anyway, what I'm thinking, I don't know if what the way to thought on on this, but perhaps maybe you want to give it some thought when you get back to yeah. uh, back home. Okay. And see if there is uh, any possibilities from your end there. I can work on this side to, to have some kind of uh, but they've got to be top, from the top Hamas tire, not fourth, fifth tire, second tire would be, mm -hmm. would be good enough. Because you cannot get the, the first two or three people, but the second tire of individual. Uh, like the, the sports person, what's his name? I talked to him. My mind always uh, shocked with names, I'm mm -hmm. terrible with names. Abu, what's his name? Mazak? Marzuk, Marzuk. 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 Yeah, Marzuk. You know, people like that, you can get them. I can get them to come to the EU. Yeah. They're not coming but with the side I think Hamas. At, at this stage, it cannot be at the political level. There are no members of Knesset who would be ready to do it. But civil society, civil society. like I was saying, yeah. what I was describing to you before, the oh, fact yeah. that we have a policy working group of civil society, of yeah, yeah. former ambassadors yeah, yeah. and senior academics yeah. and civil society. Yeah, civil directors. society, so those two or three who come yeah. from Hamas, they go back with a message. Now, if the Hamas people are ready, this is, I think, the challenge. If they are ready, I think on the Israeli side, partners will easily be found to have such an encounter. I think that's what I'm saying, asking you if you could to, uh, reach out, I don't know if you have it, through Palestinians, uh, through, uh -huh. through Palestinians, not okay. directly to Hamas, but through other Palestinians, and tell yeah. them, look, there's an opportunity to, do, to develop a new narrative, a new, a new process, exactly based on what you're saying. The tenure of, Abba, of Abbas is limited. We know that, how mm -hmm. long is it? And Netanyahu, whether he is indicted or not, I don't think he's going to run. Even if he runs, I don't think he's going to make it this time around. 
Yeah. I really doubt it. At this stage, I don't think one can find, I doubt whether one can find partners in the Palestinian Authority ready to do this. Forget the authority. But let's no. leave them aside. Leave them aside. There are, there are yeah. people, there are yeah. Palestinians, yeah. and there are also Israelis, there are some Israeli journalists, there are also activists like uh, Gershon Baskin, who was very involved yeah. in the release yeah. of uh, Gilad Shalit, yeah. who are, there are, it's, people don't realize this, but there are Israeli journalists in the daily papers, in Haaretz, even in the Jerusalem Post, in Yidiot Mariv, who speak to Hamas people. Yeah. yeah. And uh, it's not as if there is no communication. So if, and so it is possible to explore and hopefully build the foundation to be able to do something. I really like think there is a possibility. And if you, if you can, if you want to, I don't know, to start to put out some figures. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely something and, and, and possible, desirable, and very timely. And timely yeah. more than anything else before it's too late. You know, if you have a new government, a new leader among the with the Palestinian Authority, you don't know what's going to be. But yeah. if you prepare the ground for Hamas to to look at the conflict with Israel, it's all different. And they do. See the problem is that the point is they know between themselves, between them and themselves, they know Israel is a fact of life. We have to deal with Israel, we have to coexist with Israel. Yeah. They know that. They know that. They, they know, know that. that. And yeah. they, they know there is no way out. Yeah. They know that. What we want to do now is to create a narrative so that they can say it. And Israel will be prepared to make the kind of, you know, yeah. the quid pro quo involved now, to build the kind of such, such What we are seeing possibly is a similar evolution to what Fatah and the PLO underwent in the... 70s, yeah. 80s, reaching the point which eventually led to the Oslo Accords, the mutual recognition. This is, is true. And, and, and we yeah. can possibly see a similar coming to terms with reality on the part of Hamas, but you know, you need the groundwork of these track two encounters. That's right. And I think it's possible if they are ready for it. Well, but you know, again, given the fact, that's why I keep saying this same thing. Given the fact that they know that there is no other way but to deal with Israel, they know that. Then they're going to have to think about differently. Yeah. If they given, if you show them a new map, yeah. a new direction. I just want to tell you, notwithstanding the fact that Hamas, uh, PLO, I should say, changed their mind, changed their chart, and all of that. I had a conference in um, uh, in in Brussels. The, this is the EU invited. Israelis and Palestinians to come together and I was asked to come to the meeting. It was a huge meeting. Yeah. And at the time I opened I wrote two let open letters, one to Abbas and one to Netanyahu. And the chairman of the meeting said, started the conference by saying, you know, Lord Mayor just wrote these two letters. Because you know my position, I'm I'm biased. I go well, I think what's who's right and who's wrong. I don't. I don't care. I have absolutely no no. I don't lean to other side. To me, peace and solution is the only thing that matters. Yeah. So that's why the two letters were very balanced in terms of blaming Abbas for what the wrong thing is doing and blaming Israelis for their wrong things doing. 
And then when I started my speech, I appealed to the Palestinian delegation. It was a huge delegation. I said, I want you to understand. First thing I want to say, I am for 1,000% for a two-state solution. Much of the West Bank, 95, 94, whatever percent, and Lanswa, same thing with Gaza. Do we, are we clear on this? It's fine. I said, but you will approach for the last 30, 20, 15 years is, is completely misguided. And you know when they started, and I suggested a few approaches, and you know when they started? They started going back to 1948, repeating the same thing as if nothing has changed. And in the, in the, when I got up to speak again, I said to them, as long as you live in the past, you yeah, lived 70 yeah. years ago, you are not going, why are you talking about the right of, think in terms of what do we do in order to solve the question of the right of return rather than demanding the right of return. I, th I said, even if you use it as a slogan, you are alienating every single Israeli because that's yeah. going to happen. So even with the PLO today, you know, they're still asking, demanding for the right of return. They have they, a general well, slogan. They are, demanding, as a slogan. they are demanding a recognition of the principle of the right of yes. return, but the Arab Peace Initiative which has been supported by 22 Arab yeah, nations yeah. and all 57 Muslim nations, including Iran, exactly. yeah, says yeah. an agreed-upon solution to the refugee problem, which means... Exactly, a just solution. With, yeah. with yeah. the Israeli yeah. government, yeah. what the Israeli, yeah. Israeli government will agree to and allow to, yeah. in principle. In principle. And I would add also, when we talk about history yeah. in South Africa, again, to go back to South Africa, the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, which was a very important component, yeah. was a post-agreement dynamic. You cannot do that before you reach an agreement. When you get to the agreement, then you can talk about what everyone felt about the past, the suffering, exactly. who, the responsibilities, yeah, etc. Yeah. But we have to look forward, exactly. get to an agreement by stages or directly. Yeah, Everybody yeah. would like to see the problem think, of the I Oslo Accords was that it was a stage, but it was supposed to be completed in five years, and it wasn't. No, because Netanyahu came in 1996, and it started to torpedo elements of the Oslo Accord. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know yeah, that. We know, we but know. your point is well taken, I said, in Camp David, in Camp David, with the negotiation between Barack and... 2000. In 2000, yeah. yes. And, and Arafat at the time, and they were almost reaching an agreement. And what the sticking point was, the right of return. Yeah. And actually, Arafat would not sign on the dotted line. This, I, unless I spoke to Paris. Paris himself told me this. He yeah. said, I'm not. I said, why, why, why? He said, he insisted that the right of return, he agreed there'd be no right of return, the policy. But he will not say this, he said, for the next generation to decide. But I want this, uh, that the Palestinians yeah. reserve the right of return but you in know, the document. You know, in the... And uh, Barak whenever, whenever discussing the right of return, I always go back to a public opinion poll, which, again, Professor Khalil Shkaki in Ramallah did. He went to the refugees in Gaza and the West Bank, in Syria, Jordan, and Lebanon and asked them, what are their views? And before he published it, 
he went to Arafat, who was still alive at the time, and said, these are my findings. And Arafat said to him, what are you doing? You're undermining my negotiating position. Exactly. And Shikaki said, I'm a scientist. These are my findings, and I'm going to publish them. And he did. And the findings were that 95% yeah. of the refugees yeah. know yeah. that they will not return. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And so, and his office was ransacked as yeah. a result. Yes, of it. I know. Well, I after know. he published it, and, he, and today too, he yeah. is, you know, it's the PA is not happy with yeah. the fact that he is an independent researcher. There, yeah. it's hard for us to believe, but there are independent researchers oh, yeah. in yeah. the West Bank and even in Gaza. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Omar Shaaban has what is he calls it Palthink, if I remember correctly. There is independent analysis there as well. And if we do anything, uh, track two, they should be involved as well. Absolutely. I mean, I, I, I just had thought I saw this. Give it some thought. Definitely. And, and I may add, by the way, it's hard to believe that at the Palestine Israel Journal, we have about 30 Israeli and Palestinian members on the editorial board. One of them is from Gaza. Ali Abu Shakhla uh -huh. is an independent Gazan businessman who everybody agrees, Hamas, Israel, Fatah, can periodically get a permit to come to the West Bank to do business. He's not a politician. He is on a trustee for one of the universities. And uh, there are people to talk with in Gaza. That's right. And we Absolutely. should, and we should Absolutely. do it. I mean, you know, for this... Uh, for now, what's his name, Lieberman, to say that, uh, what did he say later, which was the most insulting thing you can possibly imagine about the the people, the Palestinians in Gaza. What was it that he said? Uh, he had to take it back, to swallow it back, that uh, the, the, the Palestinian, do you remember? Uh, when he said, you know, uh, they are all terrorists or something like that. Yeah, no, that, that's absurd. They're, they're, it's they're, such, they're, a, such a stupid... They're, 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 most of them are simply suffering human just beings. Just want to live, just want to live. 40% unemployment, 60% of the youth are unemployed. They want to live a normal life. Yeah. Yeah, he said, you know, he said, no innocent people in Gaza. That's no innocent people. That's absurd. That's absurd. Yeah, no innocent people. Everybody yeah. is guilty of something. Yeah, there are some people <laughs> say that about Israel. Everybody is a soldier, yeah. therefore everybody yeah. is yeah. responsible for the yeah. occupation. Yeah. Yeah. But so many Israelis are against yeah. the occupation. Yeah. So you can't say that about Gaza either. No question about it. Anyway, it was wonderful having a okay. conversation with you. My, my, <laughs> my, my pleasure. And hopefully also we can move ahead with some initiatives. I am, I am honestly, I am ready, willing, and able to do whatever it takes. I, I should, that's what I'm doing now. I really am doing nothing else. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not looking for compensation. I'm not looking for money. Yeah. In fact, if it's offered and refuse I'm, it, I'm not interested. I'm going to bring these ideas back to the yeah. Palestine Israel yeah. Journal. We have an editorial yeah. board meeting yeah. soon, and to the policy working group. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully we can and if come you, forward with And if you with want me to come, I'm happy to come to Israel, have another initial meetings, whatever it takes. Definitely, definitely. I am absolutely... Yeah, no, the the, I'm, I'm the main thing is, people ask me, 
why am I not in despair as so many other people are? And I say the main reason is because I'm being proactive. Yeah. I'm on the front lines of seeking uh, answers. Right. And that's what we all have to do. Yeah, exactly. All the power to you. And I know that. I mean, that's why I never suggested anything like this with anyone. Because I thought, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. What's the point? But you can take it. And then, and then uh, you, can, you can rely on me to do whatever it takes. You know, here and the EU, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good. Okay. Thank you for listening to this episode on the issues. You can find this podcast on my SoundCloud page and stay tuned to my social media accounts for the latest analysis and announcements.